0: this is Caroline Pierce, and this is the podcast Interesting People with Interesting Jobs from Luxie. Um, today we are talking to Lizette Orton who does stuff with words. She's a multidisciplinary word artist. Um, she had a couple of descriptions for how she describes the job that she does um, and she talks a bit about her new book. She talks about a bit about herself as a freelance artist and how she runs her career and has some really useful, in my opinion, tips on managing your finances and managing yourself like a business, um, and how how you can be an artist successfully. Um, so I think it's really interesting for anybody to listen to. Lisette is a dream to chat to um and her new book is beautiful so I hope that you enjoy the podcast music is by Roma Jagnik with technical support on the podcast from Jason Verge (laughs) hello Lisette
1: um how do you describe you well, I describe myself usually with an audio description, so I'll go with that. I'll say that I'm white with freckled and long brown hair and permanently smiley. Um, and then in terms of job, whew, I'm struggling with that one at the moment, Caroline. I'm going with multidisciplinary word artist. I'm trying that out for size at the moment because otherwise I give a long list of stuff that I do. So, yeah. Still, still trying to navigate titles, I think. So a
0: description that's a, a white woman with freckles and um, a multidisciplinary word artist.
1: Yeah.
0: And how does... Oh, no, I'm not going to ask that question because this is a podcast. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious about that. But point being, that's where you're up to and... For people who haven't come across the term multidisciplinary word artist, um, what does that involve for you at the moment?
1: So all my work is with words at the core. I'm a creative practitioner, so I'm really proud to be an associate artist with a fabulous company called Blue Cabin, who worked with care experienced young people. So that's my practitioner side of work at the moment. And then also, um, I write books. So my debut novel, The Secret of Haven Point with Puffin, that just came out. And there's a second one to follow in a year's time. And then I'm a theatre maker, and I work in film as well. I have work in galleries, in places like station waiting rooms. Um, I do live performance art. So if it's got words in it, I'll do it, basically.
0: And, whoa, if it's got words in it, you'll do it. Um, the, see, that's a lot, of, a lot of really interesting things. I'm going to, because um, you said at the start that that's a descri- description that you're using at the moment. What yeah. other descriptions have you
1: used? So, um, writer. Writer. That's a pretty basic one, but it doesn't kind of cover the feel like it covers me as performer and the live elements and the practitioner elements Um, I've said and still carry on saying does stuff with words, which I think is the most apt title, but I'm allegedly trying to be a little bit more professional, but I think I'll just go back to does stuff with words to be honest, because yeah, I just play with them. That's what my job is playing with words which sounds
0: like a brilliant job for a person who likes words.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's still, it's a little bit um, pinch me. I've got um, multiple projects in multiple different areas, all of them very exciting and lovely. Um, And yeah, I can't quite believe that people give me some money to do that. And that's how I can kind of pay for my little existence. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's still a pinch me every single day which that's
0: exciting um and if I'm thinking about people who might be listening it feels like pinch me um what have yeah what advice would you give to at this point maybe like a younger person a teenager who yeah who who wants to feel like pinch me in their career in the future? (laughs)
1: Um, Don't listen to people who say that it's not possible. Um, my family were wonderful but I do not come from an arts background, there's just not that in my family and there was um lots of worry about having you know a stable nine-to-five job and going to university and doing you know a proper degree that would equal a proper job and I absolutely and utterly see and feel where that fear can come from but if you've got something that you love doing see what else you can wrap around it. Like all I ever wanted was a book on a shelf. But I also thought, well, you know, how can I work with words so I can work with people? Because then there's the workshop side of it and I can maybe be paid to do that and um, build your community. If you've got fellow people who love writing, can you set up a zine or a newspaper? What organisations can you find that you can email and say hi please can I come along and see how your organization works it's if you're being freelance or doing arty stuff the more that you know about how business and um, cash works the more that you can then justify to other people what you're doing and you can hopefully make it um, like a portfolio career where you can do all the bits that you love plus some bits that you maybe don't love so much until you work out what it is that you want to do and then direct your passion into that
0: I think that's brilliant advice. Um, what, like, do you know what gave you the um, drive or the impetus or the courage to start doing
1: those sorts of things that, that yeah? Um, so, first of all, it was stubbornness. So, when it came to university, I think there was – ideas that I would go and do you know a proper degree like law or something like that because I had the intelligence and the grades to be able to go off and do that just kind of didn't want to um I knew that I wanted it to be in the arts I knew that um I didn't want to be an actor and I didn't want to be a teacher but I kind of didn't know the words or the vocabulary for creative practitioner. So I went and did a degree that allowed me to work in prisons and schools and places like that. So but to get on that, that was just blatant stubbornness to get that past kind of family and people like that. After that, there's like a before Lazette and an after Lizette, Um, impairment struck. So I didn't hear like the radio was my access to the world outside and I didn't hear any disabled people or talk about disabled people being creatives so I kind of felt that that was cut off from me so I did it secretly I was a secret scribbler because of writing and daydreaming was something that I could still do and eventually there was an amazing um and it's oh it's open now uh, or opening very soon get on their mailing list writers block northeast an incredible um mentoring program and it's based in Middlesbrough and I randomly applied to that knowing that I wouldn't get on it and I did. And then after that, it was that whole thing of being really angry that I'd lost years and years to not thinking that disabled people could be creative because I never saw them. And then the refusal for me to disappear, because then maybe other people could see that it was possible. So I think it's been just stubbornness all the way, to be honest. But stubbornness with what else? Because
0: stubbornness, on its own, is um, can be quite off-putting to people yeah. that are giving out opportunities, can't
1: it? What you're right. You're right. I think stubbornness in the in the mindset of, I can do this. I will do this. It doesn't matter what you put in my way. I'm still going to give it a whirl. But um, I'm like kind. That's like my main thing. So stubbornness and kindness. I've got massive amounts of curiosity. I'm curious about how the world works, how people work. I want to kind of like find out all about that stuff. So I've got that and absolute passion. I just, I really love words. So I had a part-time job in a jewelry shop and I learned all about the different stones and the different methods. And I learned how to design websites. I did that all my time there. everything was just this passion of i really think that maybe doing something with words is possible so i'd i'd like to and if it wasn't my job i'd still be playing with words now so it just feels feels really bizarre that like hobby is job but just find the thing that you love because life's too short otherwise and then just go for that yeah so find the thing that you love go
0: for that But the thing that you said before I think is really vital and sometimes gets missed out of that conversation, like understand how the world deals with business and cash and understand how you can bring together that thing that you're passionate about with how the rest of the world values things. Um, Because I think personally I I come across a lot of people in arts saying, oh, I do it because I love it, and Mm -hmm. a lot of people outside arts therefore dismissing the value of the work um and um yeah I think you pointed out both sides of that
1: yeah yeah you've got to and it's the thing at the moment where there's loads of stuff which really annoys me um just beyond is the whole you know like work for exposure well that's lovely but an electrician wouldn't do that or you wouldn't have um like you I can't go to Marks and Spencers and say, well please can I have this sandwich and I'll hold it up all the way home on the bus so other people can see it it just it doesn't work like that so if you find a community that can say I charge x this is the going rates join a union that will tell you that who will help you with contracts all that kind of stuff art is wonderful and gorgeous and lovely but if I need it to pay my bills I also need to run it as a business too yeah yeah you've you've
0: absolutely got that that nailed bit and it can be run as a business i suppose that that's one of a um yeah yes you're a like hugely successful writer and you're a really high profile and successful disabled person who is making creative work but there's also that thing of going you're a very successful like business person that isn't often the story that gets told um Mm -hmm. and possibly yeah, possibly is the story I want to, to <laughs> highlight to go, actually, you can do this, but as long as you see it as a business.
1: Yeah, I think there's um quite a bit of shame, embarrassment, stuff like that, talking about finances. One of the first things I did when people – um ask me stuff about how I organise stuff because I have the most amazing spreadsheet in the universe. I have a filing system. So I'm, I'm not the kind of person who puts my receipts in a shoebox and waits for a week before tax is due. I keep up with it every week. I have a system because my brain likes systems and it's the way that I function in the universe. But it also means that I know exactly where I am. I know what's coming in. And when you are freelance, it can be really hard because you might have a month where you get quite a bit of money in because of the way that things fall. And then you might have a couple of months where no money comes in because of the way things fall. So I worked out that I needed to work out kind of an average. I needed to pay myself a wage. I needed a business account and I needed a personal account. I needed to put aside money for tax. And what I try to do now is put aside 30% of every single thing that I earn. As soon as it comes in, 30% goes into a savings pot. So then what happens is I have a little bit like left over at the end when I've paid my tax. And that can go for professional development. It can go for a new laptop. It can just go, I'm gonna take a week off <laughs> and just lie down for a bit. Um, I think, I think we have to think more like that. And then when people have asked me how I've done it, I've shared my spreadsheet and I haven't taken the numbers out of it because I think they should know what I'm charging. So then maybe they should do too.
0: <laughs> yeah or come back
1: to you and say why don't you charge more for that yeah yeah exactly exactly if we talked more about that then we'd have less organizations and people and things being able to take the mick because we'd all have like a standpoint of no and I know there's that thing of well if one person says yes to cheaper but if we all didn't then maybe we'd have more more kind of power
0: yeah and um And also acknowledgement of experience and stuff, because I think that's one of the challenges with um, like union rates and standard minimums and that sort of thing, which often happens in the arts. They go, oh, a day rate is this. And you're like, well, Joe Bloggs, who's just graduated from university at 24, says, oh, I have to charge that. And like 30 years down the line, somebody else is also being told they have to charge that. And you're like, Mm. actually, probably neither of those things is true, because the benefit that each is bringing versus getting but if we had more open conversations about it yeah. then yeah. um yeah i was talking to some some producers recently who who were really apologizing for their day rate and i thought they were charging an absolute fine amount because of the the level at, at which they were and the amount mm-hmm. they had still to learn i was like mm-hmm. like how how have we got to a situation where really new professionals are apologizing for their day rate because they're not charging enough, but that's what they can get. And I'm like, ah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just so messy, isn't it? I think, I mean, the I really like in terms of um, uh, like the artists union, their, um, their pay scale for day rates is really good. And as much as it takes into account far more than any other unions and bodies of work that I found that thing of newly graduated to five years experience or 10 years experience or doing whatever and I love that and I think it's great Um, but I think there has to be more scope in things with organisations and people along the lines of um, like my brain is really unique and the way that I look at the world so if you want to work with me you can't work with anybody else it's going to have to be me and therefore I can't work with somebody else but I also need to rest the day afterwards because of the way my body works So actually, you might only get me for one day, but you're going to probably have to pay me for two. And it's all those nuanced conversations that especially when you're new can be really hard to bring up, especially when you think that the answer might end up being no. So what I tend to do is I say I say what it is and why. If they then come back to me with, well, we can't, but we can do this. Sometimes I will agree because it's either a strategic role or it's a charitable choice, or it's somebody that I really want to work with, and I will agree to whatever they're offering. But on my invoice, I will put what the price should have been, and then underneath the discount and the reason for why. So at least if some other artist is coming along after me, they're not going to be expected to work at that lower rate, and there is no precedence for a lower rate. That's my personal choice then.
0: Yeah, I just think that's really good practice. We should get... The Lizette Orton toolkit for being a freelancer.
1: <laughs> oh, I'd so love to do that. It would have spreadsheets and all sorts. I'd be oh, just really? in the moment. Like,
0: yeah, I'm. Yeah, might come back to you on that. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna ask more questions. Um, oh, we've asked. A, I've asked already a little bit about advice that you would give to other people, but is there anything specific? I suppose that you advise you would give to either a young person. Or a career changer, somebody who's at a point in their career where they they're sort of done with what they've been doing Mm. and they're interested in in doing something else. And I suppose I come across a lot of people who think they have to go back and retrain. They have to go back from to the start. And I just wonder um, if you've got advice, if if, if someone was asking you for advice from Mm. that standpoint, what you might say.
1: What's your dream? What do you want to be when you grow up? Like if there was no barriers to that and be that financial or caring or any responsibilities or current job, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then do loads of research around what that actually is, because in terms of like if you're going to start out and be a writer, (laughs) lots of that is not writing unless you have a big um, financial buffer to allow you to take a year off and just write and things. And that's not something that I had. So lots of the things that you want to be when you grow up require lots of work around the edges. And that's when all the transferable skills come in. So make a list of all the things you know. Make a list of all the connections you have. um, Research any organisations and people in the area. And then it does come down to finances, because at some point in time, you are going to have to step off. So have the biggest buffer possible in terms of savings know that you're going to maybe have to step into the world of self-employment understand what that means in terms of um, you're no longer payes you're responsible for your own tax and national insurance and all that kind of stuff Um, and if it's at all possible see whether you can start doing bits on the side which is exhausting and it doesn't work for everyone or maybe you can drop your day from five days down to four and just start building up because it might be that you don't even like it (laughs) So, to take those small steps, and you don't have to just make a massive break overnight. I went from; it took me a good few years to go from part time in a jewelry shop to full time as writer, and it finally got to the tipping point where I realised that I had to make that leap because I was having to turn down more work than I could take because the barrier of having a fixed job was there. But that was terrifying stepping into that so yeah make things as safe as possible for you
0: and how did you get over terrifying
1: (laughs) I don't think I have sometimes I just have to put terrified Lisette in a box with a coat on give her a pat on her head and say just stay there for a while I know you exist but I'm going to go and do it anyway and um for me again words are helpful so call yourself the thing before you are the thing. If you think you're a writer, you're a writer. You don't have to have earned any money from it. If you think you're an artist, you are an artist. Ste- I wish I'd stepped into those words sooner. I think that would have helped with the terror and the confidence.
0: And that's really interesting because in that, in the toolkit version, artist and writer are the words. It's That's not the brand. Maybe that's what it, it, how you describe you at the start. Maybe that's more... More the brand and but um I don't know. I don't want
1: to I don't want to put words in your mouth. It's a massive thing. I had some brilliant um mentoring recently from um someone we were talking about in terms of artist statements and things like that, how I describe myself. I don't know whether it's a northern thing, a working class thing, a what thing, but there is a massive thing of not stepping into the words and of um backing away from and muffling over and things like that. um, I wonder whether there's another conversation sometime with somebody who's better at it than I am to be had about how we um, articulate the words for ourselves and then how we own them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to think about that. So (laughs) we're at 20 minutes. um, I really want to ask you for a podcast or a book that you recommend or love.
1: (sighs) Ah. Do you know what? It's a kids' book, and oh, I can't think of a surname. That's awful. But Rashmi, and it's called Dosh, and it's just brilliant. It's it's um it is it's a book for young people, but it's the best way of looking at money. And I think we need to talk more about money and cash. So Dosh, find that. It's brilliant. Right,
0: I'm off to get it because. <laughs> <laughs> on that recommendation um, and then um how can people follow you and please talk a little bit more quickly about um not not more quickly <laughs> <laughs> how can people follow you on social media in the world and just tell us again about the name of your book
1: okay so i'm at lisette underscore orton on most things social media, twittery and Instagramy. um if you type Lizette Orton into Google, you will find my website because I'm the only one, which is very handy. Um, and the book is called The Secret of Haven Point. It's set on the North East Coast, disabled characters having a cracking adventure in a lighthouse with a cap with a kitten and his beard and some fierce mermaids. And it's out with Puffin in all shops now.
0: Which is so exciting. Thank you so much, Lisette. It's been so lovely to chat to you and I hope everybody else, uh, yeah, I hope some people listen and that they really (laughs) enjoy it.
1: (laughs) Burrell, thanks so much Caroline, you're an absolute star. Thank you.